Today I want to just talk about where we are, what we are doing, why we are here as a church, where we're going, and to just give you an encouragement that as you come to Mount Warren Park Community Church, you will find a place that loves the Lord, a place that you will find to, to belong to that place. So it's not nice for people to go to a place and they don't really know what they stand for or what's the vision for that place and what they believe. It's also beautiful to know that as people come to the church, we have this marvelous privilege of nurturing souls and discipling people to know Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen? So, just a, a short reading from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 19, and a few verses in there from verse from 35 to 40. Then they brought him to Jesus, and they threw their own garments on the colt, and they set Jesus on him, and as, they, and as he went, they spread the clothes on the road. And as he was now drawing near the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works they had seen. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees called to him from the crowd, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. But he answered and said to them, I tell you, that if these should keep silent, the stones would immediately cry out. And now as he drew near, he saw the city and wept over it. Lord, with a short message for us this morning to encourage your people, we're here for a reason and a purpose. You've given us a mouth to worship your name and to tell of you. You say to the Pharisees, if these do not cry out or speak up, the rocks will cry out. Lord, we pray to lead and guide us this year as a church. Help me as their servants, help all the leaders that came up here and help each and every one of us to know that we belong here and we have a mission to the community from here to win lives for Jesus because we know the time is at hand. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, a farmer's dog goes missing, and a farmer is inconsolable. So his wife suggests that he puts an ad in the paper, in the local newspaper, which he does. After two weeks, there has been no response to the ad, and the dog is still missing. Uh, what did you put in the ad? His wife asks the farmer. The farmer replies, here, boy, 
Here, boy. Here, boy. Is that why we are here? We need to know our message. And we need to know that our message is understood by the world. Amen? Not here, boy. <laughs> the message we are proclaiming is a message of forgiveness and repentance in the name of Jesus. And it must be relevant. It must be understood. Last Sunday, um, go all the way back to the beginning. Last Sunday, we looked at um, at the hedgehog concept where we talked about the fox right here and also the hedgehog. So the fox it's a luko and a hedgehog is manu matuitui. Manu matuitui. So the, the fox we looked at last week, if we want to achieve something, we need to have one purpose in mind or one goal. Uh, we looked at the life of the fox. The fox sneaks, it pounces, it plays dead, it kicks, it jumps, it rolls its head towards the thing and does so many things in trying to get to the hedgehog. So, so many ways, so many moves and so many um, ideas. But yet, the fox will walk away with his nose prickled by the prickles, by the spines of the, pricked by the, the spines of the hedgehog. On the other hand, the hedgehog here knows how to do one big thing. And that one big thing is to defend itself. So the concept is from a business concept where if we pursue many goals and interests at the same time, we can go off track, we can be unfocused or confused or ultimately achieve little or achieve nothing at all. But the hedgehog, this guy here, he simplifies the world by focusing on a single overarching vision which he can achieve and that is to defend defend so well there's no punches but just defend no hooks I mean and uppercuts defend he doesn't do that because that's not what he was made to be and the three main assessments of the hedgehog principle is that number one what are we good at as a church? Number two. Oh my, number one. What are we good at as a church? Number two. What are we passionate about as a church? And number three. How do we drive that financially? So those are the things. So we look at this. What are we passionate as a church? Is the gospel of Jesus Christ. This should be the main thing while we are here. It's the meta-narrative of God's purpose in the world. It is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Number two, what are we good at? If we are passionate about the gospel, what are we good at? We are good at, we must be good at reaching people 
or dealing with people in terms of relationships. We need to know the gospel. We need to know people too. How do we deal with people? And number three, a church cannot survive. I know we survive by the love of God. If there, if there are people don't give financially to the ministry of the Lord. And if we survive, if we are good in teaching our people that you have a responsibility financially to the life of your church, we can reach the people with the gospel in the community. No one is saying amen. amen. Thank you. So those are the three things. Now, I want to talk to us today about what we stand for as a church. In case you come and say, what do we really believe and where are we going as a church? What is our vision? Our vision is this in three sentences. Reaching the unchurched with the gospel. Creating a vibrant church of faith. And making disciples of Christ for the world. Those are the three lines that govern and guide us as a church. Now let me talk about the first one, reaching the unchurched with the gospel. As we grow as a church, we can see that we grow in terms of transference growth. It means we have people that come from other churches to come into the church. But what we need as a church, we need to go out to the community so that people are converted with the message of Jesus Christ. To grow the kingdom of God. Amen? We need to see the world come to the Lord. To know Jesus in a very special way. Now, these are the unchurched people. George Barna, one of the America's beautiful and marvelous uh, church researcher and evangelist as well. He says that an unchurched person is a person that hasn't been to church in the last six months. So that means people that haven't been to church at all or people that haven't been to church in the last six months. Maybe some that have been to church, but I haven't been to church again. Jesus says, go to the world and make disciples in my name. So we are not just reaching the unchurched for the sake of having many people in the church. We reach them in the love of Jesus Christ. We tell them that Christ saved my life and we also wanted to tell them that the Lord will one day come as a judge. That there will be an end to all things and one day you and I will stand individually in front of God. What are they going to tell God? If you and I know that message, what about them? Do they know the message? Jesus is coming soon. Do the people know that message? So we need to go and invite the unchurched. That's why we have those other things. Uh, that's that one. The three eyes in our church. It's to do with invite, inviting people. Jesus invited the two disciples of John and came to him. Come and see where I, I stay. And then those disciples went out and invited Simon, his brother. Uh, Andrew went and invited Simon, his brother, and said, Come, this must be the Messiah. And then in John chapter 4, a woman went out to the whole village and invited the whole village and come. Look, this man has told me everything that I've done in my life. This must be the Messiah. So evangelism or inviting people is the most powerful terms, I mean, means of evangelism. 
when you talk to another person about Christ. Let's go back to number two, creating a vibrant church of faith. It's called people of faith that are rooted in Christ. This is what we want to see in our church. Not only that we bring people into the church, we want them to have a relationship with Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. It's not faith in the church. It's not faith in the pastor. It's nice if people have faith in the pastor. It's not faith in re religious rituals that the church is doing. It's not faith in anything. It's faith in Jesus Christ. Amen. If every one of us has that vibrant and living faith in God, you know, it doesn't matter if we have 100 people in our church and other people have got 3,000 people. If they don't know Jesus, but a small group of us with Jesus, it matters a lot to God that you and I have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so that we can create a church that people have Christ. Yesterday, my son and I were driving out to the sports um, game yesterday. And I asked my son, do you find it hard to comprehend or to understand the fact that we are praying to someone that we cannot see? You know, how do those young people pray to a God that they cannot see? We need to ask young people, are you coming along for the ride? Or do you know your faith in Christ? And so after explaining to my boy about these things, and he said, Daddy, I find it so hard to understand or to comprehend the fact that we are praying to someone that I cannot see. But that's what faith is, amen? We don't walk by faith. We don't walk by the big building that a church has. We don't walk by a big number of people that go to a church. We walk by faith. In Jesus Christ. And so in the end, he asked me a question. But how do I understand, how do I understand that the Bible is true? So all these questions we need to ask our young people. And then in the end, I asked the question back to him. It's so refreshing, it's so nice to hear that a young person can answer a, some, something about his faith and his love and his knowledge of God. So I was happy. A church that is vibrant, what does that mean? Who says that the world can only have fun? This is one of the things about being freed in Christ. We can have fun. We can have parties. But they are all clean parties. Amen? Not dirty parties, but parties that are clean. And wouldn't you want to bring your family in a church where the atmosphere is safe and you don't have to worry about what they say, what they hear, what they talk about. Like our sports day yesterday. Creating a vibrant church of faith is we are, not only we inviting people, we are inspiring people. Sports day is not about whether you're good in sports or not. It's not about whether I know sports or who's going to win. Congratulations to the Reds team. Congratulations to the Reds team. I'm blue, you know. But anyway, it's all about fellowship. It's all about the love and the idea of inspiring people about faith in God. And then, last thing is to make 
sorry, the last thing of that vision is to make disciples of Christ for the world. You know, this is a wonderful uh, privilege what we are called as a church. When you see a life transformed in Christ, a man that is changed from his old ways to a new way, and following Jesus in his life, that is a great, great, great achievement of a church. Amen. When we see people living for Christ, transforming man is a man who no longer swears. For example, the vocabulary is no longer rah-rah-rah, but it's all about praising the Lord. From the old lifestyle to a new lifestyle, the mindset to a new mindset, the behavior, the allegiance, everything is changed from the old to the new. And the Bible says, behold, everything is new. Uh, sorry, what, what does the Bible say again? Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Behold, everything is old, everything is new. Sorry, something like that. The old is gone, everything is new. And that man will not put his money on the nose of a, a horse anymore, but he will put it in the church. Our calling is not just us around here, but to make disciples in order that they go and make more disciples for Christ. Not here in Australia, not only here in Australia, but overseas. You know something, I'm passionate about reaching the aboriginals of Australia. I would love to go to the outback of Australia and take a team from this church to talk to the aboriginals and find out more about them and their love of the country and the land, but also do they know Christ. Many people want to say they want to go overseas to every other country in the world when we have so many people around us here that have not been reached by the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are called for that, to do that. Now, this is our purpose while we're here. We are diligently seeking God in our lives to live for Him, but also we are proclaiming the Lord of Jesus faithfully. And you find that here. But I want you, church, to please work with the leaders. Work with us together. Work in unity. Like um, a couple. There was a man and his wife who were having some problems at home. And they were giving each other the silent treatment. Suddenly the man realized that the next day he would need his wife to wake him up at 5 o'clock in the morning for an early morning business flight. Remember, they are not talking. So not wanting to be the first to break the silence and lose, he wrote on a piece of paper, please wake me up at 5 o'clock. So he left it where she knew she would find it. He knew she would find it. The next morning, the man woke up and only to discover it was 9 o'clock. And he had missed the flight. He was furious. He was about to go and see his wife. And why she didn't tell him? Why didn't she wake him up? For him to notice that there was a piece of paper by the bed. The paper says, it's 5 o'clock. Wake up. Church, we need to work together in unity as a church. If that is our goal, we must break down all the barriers among us as a church and stand in unity with Christ. 
If the Lord has called you to serve Him in this church, as you have already said, and your heart is longing to go somewhere that God has not called you to go, time to reassess. Have you heard of Steve Jobs, the founder of Apple? Steve Jobs was looking for someone to be a CEO of Apple in 1982. He interviewed so many people and good qualifications, but he came across one man named John Scully. At the time, John Scully was the CEO of Pepsi. But after all the interviews he had with John Scully, John Scully refused him, refused to, you know, the offer that he gave him, that uh, Steve Jobs gave him. So here is what Steve Jobs said to John Scully the CEO of Pepsi at the time. John Scully, do you want to sell sugar water for the rest of your life or do you want to come with me and change the world? You know what happened to Apple? Boom. If we can give our people a one overarching purpose, one direction, why they have to be here, why they are chosen as leaders, it's changing the world for Christ. We might be a small church here, but we can change the world from here. Amen. Leaders of the church, if you have already made the commitment to the Lord that you are going to lead that ministry, you've made that commitment not only to the church, but to the Lord. Think big. Think the love of God in us. Do you want to come with me and change the world or not? I mean, I cannot change the world. It's God that can change the world. But praise the Lord for that. Amen. I'll take it. No, no. God takes the amen. Everyone sees in Mount Warren Park, it's not a pastor's church. It's not the leader's church. It is the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are only members here. It belongs to Him. So you, as a member of Mount Warren Park Community Church, ask yourself, am I just being a pew sitter in a church? Or do I want to be a part of a church that wants change in the community and change the world for Christ? Amen. No one is excited like me. Ask yourself, is my family saved or not? My, pa, my dad, my mother, my, my children, my wife, are my relatives saved? My co-workers, they are lost in Christ. As I said before, there will be a time when people stand before God and give an account of what they've done on this earth. That's why we're here. And so Jesus came out of, with a donkey. He was riding a donkey. And people came out. They were his disciples. Disciples of Jesus at the time were not just the twelve, but many people that believed in his name. You know what they did? Not only that they believed this is the Messiah, their actions showed that he was a Messiah. They throw their hats and their garments and their clothes on the road. Jesus was going on. And they sang this praise. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king. Now the Pharisees on the other hand came and said, Oh, tell your disciples to be quiet. And Jesus says these words that I want to encourage our church this morning. If they remain silent, the very stones will cry out. God has created your mouth and my mouth for his purpose and for his glory. You were not created to be silent and to be quiet. 
We were created for greatness to praise and give honor and glory to his name. You know what? Jesus is clothed in his praises when we do that. And how wonderful for a king to receive praises and glory. I thought about it during the, uh, the fire. Did you know that there was something in the paper they wrote that as the fire ravaged the communities, there were lots of people that did not believe in God that came to realize during the time of the fire that God is a creator. I read about atheists who pray, create a God. Create a God as an atheist? I read about people who say that we, we believe that there is a super being or a superior being in this world, God. So they believed in him. And I thought, God is looking down from heaven. What is the church doing? During the time of the fire, we need to pray. Pray and pray because Jesus says, if we don't praise God, he can order the creation to praise him. I mean, a donkey praised him. God opened the mouth of the donkey and showed someone. Amen? We pray to the Lord. This is a challenge for us this morning. I'm going to uh, get us to listen to a song that wants us to challenge our hearts today. But this is my challenge for you, you the church. We are here not to be a comfortable church in our pews, but we are here to lift the veil of um, inferiority from our hearts and praise God in his name so that people of the world will come to know Jesus in a very special way. Is the love of God and love of people something that consumes your heart and your mind? And if God has called you to be at the forefront of something big that he's about to do in this church, would you come with us to change the world? Or are you saying, no, I don't need this thing? People, there's a fresh anointing and a fresh move of the Spirit in our hearts. That when you get up and walk, He goes with you without fear. He will open the door and show the vastness of His beauty and His great, of greatness in our lives. Don't be like that husband who wrote a note instead of talking to his wife. Don't be like that wife who wrote a note even though she knew there would be consequences instead of talking to her husband. Be a church that stands together so we can win the world for Christ. Lord Jesus, thank you for your love for today and your people. We pray that you'll lead and guide your church today so that your name is glorified and magnified in this church community. That people that drive their cars along the road and people that have heard of us and people that will heal of us will come and be healed, not only physically, but spiritually, mentally, in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.